This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN Plus. One of the strengths of introverted leaders is to actually solicit the opinions and the input and the ideas of the people they're leading. Hi, this is Susan Kane, author of Quiet and the forthcoming book on longing, and you're listening to Hush Loudly on WGN. Welcome to Hush Loudly, where we speak with introverts doing extraordinary things, raising their voices and making a difference in their own special ways. I am so honored to introduce my next guest. When Dane and I talked about this program, he asked me to come up with 50 show topics and 25 dream guests. The first person on my list to interview was author and my hero, Susan Kane. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so touched and honored by that introduction. Thank you. Yeah. excited that you're doing this show also. Oh, we are so thrilled to do this. It's so different. It's so unique. For those of you who have not read the book Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, I urge you to do so immediately. Uh, and if reading isn't your thing or you can't make time, you have to dedicate 20 minutes of your life to watch Susan Cain's TED Talk, which has been viewed over 30 million times on TED.com as well as YouTube combined. Quiet has been translated into 40 languages, is in its seventh year on the New York Times bestseller list, and was named the number one best book of the year by Fast Company Magazine, which also named Kane one of the most creative people in business. LinkedIn named her the sixth top influencer in the world. Susan Kane is also the author of another bestseller, Quiet Power, The Secret Strengths of Introverts and has just completed another TED Talk in Scotland, which we can't wait to see. I'm so pleased to, to move forward to welcome you to the show. The first question I have, and I don't know if you've done this, but I have. If you Google the word introvert right now, the first thing that comes up for a definition says a shy, reticent person. Considering that millions of people refer to Google for everything, it's bothersome to me that we are so easily and inaccurately defined. What do you think about this and how can we work together to get this changed? Wow, I and mean, that's really interesting. I actually had not been aware of that being the number one Google search, though I, I do know that that it's a very common misperception. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it might be worth starting out for your listeners to just say what what the difference is between shyness and introversion. Um, mm-hmm. Introversion is about the preference for, you could say it's the, the preference for mellower environments, really, mm-hmm. um, and the preference for environments that are kind of less stimulating, not less intellectually stimulating, but, but fewer kind of inputs coming in all at once. And shyness is more about the fear of social judgment. Um, and I, I would say in practice, like at least the work that I do, I really think of as applying to shy people as well as to introverts because the, the biases in our culture against both of those types mm-hmm. are quite, play, play out in quite similar ways. Mm-hmm. But it is important to understand what the difference is because you could be as shy extrovert and you can be an introvert who's not shy at all and and there are plenty of examples of both of those types. 
And that kind of leads to my my next question is, you know, I kind of feel like the definitions of introverts, shy, etc., tend to skew negative in our society. So in our society, the standards, I believe, so shy, quiet, loner, less social, they all seem to be negative. It's it's almost like we're less than or we're missing something. Or I know when I was a child, people would say, oh, she needs to come out of her shell. You know, things like that. I'm not in a shell. I'm just, you know, I'm observing. I'm me. But I wonder if you might have a good response for an introvert to someone who's questioning their demeanor or their personality style. Yeah. I mean, well, you're absolutely right about the style being characterized often that way. I, you know, the, the first thing before you even talk about the response to the outside world is the response to yourself because um, many introverts, because they've been sort of socialized along the lines you just described, they feel it to be true mm-hmm. and they feel themselves to be lesser than. So the first step is understanding what your powers are and fully accepting yourself. And we could talk more about that, but that's a whole process. And then the you know, in terms of what you say to other people, I guess it kind of depends on the situation, but some variation of I like myself the way I am and I'm doing just fine, thank you, basically <laughs> what, what, yes. what I think is required. Um, yeah, and in terms of the social view of it, it's funny. Somebody was just saying on my Facebook page the other day, you know, why, and, and, and it was in response to an article, his headline was something like, you know, 10 tips for how introverts can be more social, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And people on my Facebook page were very put off by that and were saying, mm-hmm. you know, no, no one's ever giving advice that. to extroverts on how to be quiet, quiet. in a room by themselves, <laughs> you know, how to be more still. And, and the truth is we could all learn to tweak that way, extroverts mm-hmm. and introverts. So we, we all have ways that we can improve. I, I saw that. I thought that was hilarious. I love that. Right. That was on Instagram, Twitter. I love that person's response to that. So personality assessment tests. So I've taken three and I'm always the same thing. I'm always an INFP. But one thing that oh, I me no- too. Oh, OK. Me too. OK. <laughs> um, one thing that I notice is that when you're separated, so, you know, they're you separate it. And it seems like the introverts, we are the creative, the laid back. You know, I always love the people that I'm surrounded by when I'm placed in this position. But it's like you're separated from what it feels like to me, the cool kids, because the extroverts are over there giving high fives and laughing and having fun and, and making jokes about it. And I feel like we're still misunderstood. And it's like the the whole exercise is to get us to understand how we communicate differently. But I don't know if sometimes how it always translates. I don't think it translates well. So how can we introverts scale the learning from these personality assessment team building activities and remind our colleagues of our needs and to continue the conversation after the facilitator has left the building. Right. Okay. So for just for anybody listening who hasn't been, who hasn't participated in one of these sort of Myers-Briggs or other mm-hmm. personality assessment tools, trainings, it sounds like you're describing the situation where everybody takes the, you have like a whole room full of colleagues, everybody takes the personality test, and then the facilitator says, 
okay, let's put, have the extroverts on one side of the mm-hmm. room and the introverts on the other side. And, and there's often, it's just what you described, like a lot of high-fiving and laughing among the extroverts and the introverts kind of off on the other side of the room quietly. <laughs> and, and, and because of what corporate cultures are, it becomes very, there's often a sort of unstated assumption that you'd rather be on the extroverted side of the room. So, and, and you're saying, okay, what do we do about that? Mm-hmm. I think that one of the most effective ways and any facilitator who's doing this correctly should have on hand sort of visual representations of effective and transformative introverted leaders and other contributors to society because there are so many of them. And when you think about most of them, they contributed what they did because they have an introverted personality style. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at Bill Gates or Rosa Parks or just any number of people you can point to, these are people who lead with their thoughtfulness. You know, like Bill mm-hmm. Gates talks about how as a leader, like when he would, was confronted with a thorny problem, he would go off for a few days and read books about it and think about it and figure out what to do. That's not an extroverted style of leadership, and it's proven quite effective. So I, I think nothing, in a way, is as impactful as seeing those role models mm-hmm. right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons. Um, often when, when companies call me in to speak, um, I will very often find out whether the company is led by an introvert. And if they are, I try to interview that person on stage for the mm-hmm. entire you know, employee base to see and, and hear from that person because I, I think almost nothing sways minds more quickly than, oh, okay, that person mm-hmm. who I really respect mm-hmm. is using these exact, you know, to use your word, Jerry, these superpowers. Wow. Another thing that you talked about in your book, um, because I've read your book probably four or five times, FYI, since 2012. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, very, very honored. Uh, you talk about Adam Grant's research, Dr. Adam Grant, who I now follow um, because of you, on the performance of two teams. Uh, they were in yeah. sales and, and one that performed under an introverted leader and the other that performed under an extroverted leader. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Adam Grant, he's a good friend of mine. We actually became friends when I was researching Quiet and I started asking him questions about it. And based on that, he went off and did this research where he looked at he looked at different teams, as you said, some under an introverted leader, some under an extroverted leader, where the job was to, um, they had to like fold t-shirts in a certain way, I think, in, in, in order to then sell them. It was something like that. But anyway, in, in each of these teams, there was a sort of what they call in psychology, a confederate, sort of a, a person who was planted in there, but the rest of the team didn't know it was a, a false plant. Hmm. And that plant knew how to, knew how to fold the t-shirts really well. And what they found was in the teams that were led by introverts, the introverts were able to find out and were able to hear from that person who knew how to fold the t-shirts well. And so they ended up outperforming the teams that were led by extroverts because the extroverted leaders in their sort of characteristic exuberance tended not to elicit the input from the team members who actually had valid things to share. So that, that points to one of the strengths of introverted leaders, which is to, to actually solicit 
the opinions and the input and the ideas of the people they're leading and to use the good ones. Um, and then what, what Adam Grant did was he, he then looked at this research in real life and he surveyed a whole um, chain of pizza places and he found that on average there was no difference in profitability between the ones led by introverts and extroverts, but the ones that had especially proactive employees, if they were led by introverts, they had 16% higher profitability. And the reason was the same, that same thing, that with those proactive employees, the introverted leaders were good at getting the best out of and the best ideas from those proactive employees. In the chains that had more passive employees who were less engaged, in those cases, the extroverted leaders did better because they were the extroverts were really good at motivating and inspiring employees who are not inclined that way to begin with. I love that. And I didn't know that you were the impetus behind that with Dr. Grant. That's exciting. That's, I love that. Yeah, yeah. We've been friends for a really long time. So uh, that, that was so exciting to see. Okay. My next question. Some say that individuals are introverted or extroverted based on how they recharge or re-energize. Others mm-hmm. say introverts are more inward and introspective, while extroverts are outward and outgoing. We talked earlier about stimulation being a factor. Introverts prefer less of it. Like me, I always have the lights off. I prefer natural light, while extroverts who are less sensitive need a lot of it. And lastly, I hear, which I believe is this is I agree with, that introverts think then do while extroverts think while doing. Why are we so hard to define, or why is it so hard to define introverts and extroverts? Well, I think it's it's because this is a really complex trait. It's very complex, and there's a lot to understand to it. So everything that you just said is mostly true, although I think research psychologists would probably dispute the part about introverts being more introspective than extroverts. Mm-hmm. I don't dispute it. I, I just think all the other things that you talked about, about needing to recharge more and um, responding more to stimulation and all those things, those all sort of stem from the same characteristic of a, a nervous system that in general is a little more responsive to stimulation. Um, the introspective piece, I think, probably has to do more with the fact that if you have a tendency to want to be in quieter environments and to socialize in a quieter way, you know, let's say one-on-one as opposed to being at a big party full of strangers, all of that is going to lead to a more introspective bent because because you're always placing yourselves in situations that are conducive to it. But all of that's a way of saying, yeah, this stuff is complicated um, and not every introvert is the same to further complicate it. You know, we, we all manifest it kind of differently because we're still humans and humans are very complex with mm-hmm. all kinds of um, influences, you know, mm-hmm. genetic and environmental and everything in between. So, yeah, I think that that is the great challenge. But, you know, it, it's also what keeps it infinitely interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> Um, Some of us have learned how to navigate through interviews, get promoted, reach success in various fields in our own special quiet ways, but it's different for each person. 
Other than saying be yourself, what advice can we give our mentees, our children, and those who don't yet understand their value or worth as an introvert? It took me a while to figure it out. So what advice can we give those who are still struggling with this or who need to better understand their worth and their value? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing because um, I hear from people all the time who tell me that the more they felt they had permission to be themselves and like an internal sense of permission, the more mm-hmm. they felt proud of who they were, the more effective they automatically became mm-hmm. in situations like the kinds you're asking about, like mm-hmm. a job interview. Um, because the first step of any transformation is your own view of yourself, because that's going to shape so much of the way you interact and behave and present. But another you know, in terms of sort of more concrete pieces of advice, I'll I'll go back again to the idea of role models. Um, Finding people out there who you admire and who have styles like yours is a a huge way of proving to yourself that you can do it, but also showing you a pathway of how it might be done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll give you just an example um, from my own life. You know, I, I now have this kind of crazy career as a public speaker where I go out and speak (laughs) several times a month, you know, which I never in my wildest dreams expected. And when I was first starting out 10 years ago, I thought I I didn't really know that there was a way to be an effective public speaker as a quieter person. But I started looking around and I found role models of people who are doing it. Um, one of them is Malcolm Gladwell, who mm. is an author like yes. me. Um, so, for, so for me, he was a good role model because he was sort of, you know, in my roughly same sort of career space and also introverted. And, you know, and his way of public speaking is quite thoughtful and reflective. And it's also amazingly compelling. So for me, being able to watch that example was very liberating and showed me the way it might be done. So I I, I think that's a huge first step. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. I now would like to talk a little bit about you. I've read your book. I know you. I feel like I know you. But for our (laughs) listeners, uh, what led you to where you are today? I wonder if you could share your story as the Wall Street lawyer being charged with managing that important client meeting when the lead was unable to and, and what came out of it. Uh, I think people oh. would be interested in hearing that story. Oh, yeah, it's funny. And I don't really tell that story that much other than oh. it's in the book. But, yeah, so early on in my, well, I used to be a corporate lawyer before I became a writer, and that's like a whole story <laughs> to itself. But but there I was in this sort of, for me, unlikely profession. And, you know, and it was a very high-powered setting, Again, just as with the public speaking, I had come into that profession in my early 20s thinking, well, I don't know if there's really a way for a quiet person to be good at this. And early in my career, there came a day when I was working with a senior partner and he was out of the country or something. And there was this big negotiation happening with this big boardroom full of people. And I was the one who had to be in charge of it. And I was absolutely flat out terrified but ended up, it ended up that that negotiation went really well, and the um, lawyers on the other side offered me a job afterwards, and the client, <laughs> and the client on the other side sent that. sent me like a request for me to work on his next deal. And the reason was, 
you know, that I figured out a way of doing it in a way that was consonant with who I was. So I, which, which is to say I was, I prepared a lot or as much as I could in advance and thought through what the different positions and arguments might be. I asked a lot of questions and listened to the answers and tried to come up with it with solutions based on that. I, I, I definitely used a much less grandstanding style, I think, than another person might use effectively. But I think that's that's just sort of one example among many that whatever thing you're talking about, whether it's public speaking or negotiating or selling or leading or whatever, we tend to think, we assume that there is one way of doing things and that that way is, you know, the way of being very bold and very alpha. And there's actually another way of doing things that's quieter and more thoughtful and more thorough maybe and can be incredibly impactful. Mm. So, yeah, you know, after I stopped practicing law, I actually, long before I ever knew I was going to write a book about this, I started teaching people negotiation skills. Mm. And the first thing I always said was, Anyone can be a good negotiator. We tend to think it's a skill that you're born with or a personality style that you have, but it's really just a matter of learning some basic principles and skills and adapting them to your own nature. Wonderful. This is a great story in the book. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. So I am going to ask you to tell our listeners how they can follow you, keep up with what you're doing. Uh, We'll also have links up on WGNRadio.com so that they can just click and find you. But if you could share how people could follow you and hear about the cool things you're doing. And if you'd like to share anything about Scotland or anything else, please do so uh, at this time. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, probably the very best thing you can do is to sign up for my newsletter. And if you go to my website, which is Quiet Revolution or quietrev.com, you'll see prompts to sign up for it. And of course, we don't share your information with anyone. It's just a way of staying up to date. But I'm also on Facebook. If you go to Susan Kane Author Facebook, you'll find me. I'm on Twitter under Susan Kane. I'm on LinkedIn and more recently Instagram. Yeah, and I guess the other question, I'm working on a new book right now, and it's about kind of longing, spiritual longing and and other kinds of longing too, longing for home and longing for a creative career and longing for beauty and Mm -hmm. all these things. And my TED Talk was about that, and I gave it in July. And uh, as soon as the book is a little further along, hopefully I'll I'll be able to talk about it a little more. Susan, thank you so much for being on the show. We're thrilled here. I know that our listeners are thrilled as well. So thank you again for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for not only for having me, but for doing this show. What a great idea. Thank you. We're so excited. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash introverts hush loudly and listen to past episodes at wgnradio.com or hushloudly.com i had enough heart for most of them long as i got stuff for most of them so even when i was wrong i got my point across they depicted me the boss of course